from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. After World War II, the leaders of the Nazi regime were prosecuted for crimes against humanity. At the Nuremberg trials, the Nazis cleverly argued that it was improper to prosecute them for actions that were legal under their own law, claiming that they were only following orders from their superiors. However, the International Military Tribunal did not buy it. The Nazi defendants were found guilty of violating a higher law, what has been called the natural law, to which all nations are equally subject. The founders of the American Republic knew this well. We see it in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life. The general disregard for life in our culture is abundantly evident with the abortion epidemic, and it's also noticeable with the ever-increasing acceptance of euthanasia of the elderly. But while these senseless killings are sometimes legal under our flawed human laws, they will always be found violating God's law. How did we get to this point? And what rationalizations allowed our culture to descend into this mess? Dr. D. James Kennedy takes a look at those vital questions in this message from his series, Debunking Modern Myths. Here, he addresses the myth that suicide is a viable option. Our scripture lesson today is taken from the 8th chapter of the book of Proverbs. May we hear the inspired and infallible word of the living God. Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instructions, and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me, findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me, wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. And may God speak to our hearts this day through this portion of his holy word. May his name evermore be praised. Amen. Today, the myth that I would like for us to consider is this. Suicide is a viable option. Now, no one who has read the newspaper or listened to the news for the past few months could possibly have failed 
to have heard about Dr. Jack Kevorkian and his death machine, his suicide contraption, or the best-selling book, Final Exit, by Derek Humphrey, co-founder of the Hemlock Society. Yes, indeed, there is something abroad in our land, and it is death. It is stalking our country like a ghastly giant, and it is very, very serious. In fact, Dr. Arthur Kaplan, who is a director of the University of Minnesota's Center for Biomedical Ethics, said that the great issue and event, the most significant medical issue of our time, in fact, the history of our country, is not artificial hearts or even grandmothers giving birth to their own granddaughters, but it is this matter of doctor-assisted suicide because, he says, it breaks with a more than 2,000-year-old tradition that says, in the words of the Hippocratic Oath, that doctors shall do no harm. The seriousness of it could further be underlined by pointing out that it has been written that the Nazi Holocaust and all of the incredible atrocities there could finally be traced back to a very small beginning. It was the blurring of the line between healing and killing on the part of physicians. And it was the small issue of what to do about the non-rehabitable sick that began the whole thing. What do you do about those who are not going to get well? Well, that was a very little thing, but it was a first step down a slippery slope that led to Auschwitz. Now, as serious as it is, it has also spawned its own class of humor, dark humor though it is. I was shown by someone a cartoon which pictured a doctor's waiting room, and there were gathered there a collection of elderly patients with their crutches and canes and wheelchairs, and the nurse steps cheerily in the door and announces, the doctor will kill you now. Or the cartoon that shows a aged, hag-like woman lying in bed in her own home. Above the bed, it says, Home Sweet Home. Standing next to the bed is a middle-aged man, her son, Leon, and next to him, his rather debauched wife with a cigarette in one hand and a newspaper in the other, whose headline says, British doctor predicts death pill for aged. And Leon, with a rather demonic smile on his face, is dropping a pill into a glass of water. Underneath, she says, I knew I should have aborted you like all the rest, Leon. Yes, my friends, what goes around comes around. Which reminds me of the story in ancient times when it was customary to take the aged father and put him in a basket and carry him up 
onto a mountainside and leave him there for the elements to dispose of or the wild beasts. And as one son was putting his old father in the basket, his father said, remember, son, remember to bring the basket back because they're going to need it for you. He changed his plans at that point. But it is indeed a slippery slope. When Roe v. Wade was passed, there were many of us who were saying that that was indeed the first step down that slope, and it would lead to infanticide and suicide and euthanasia. There were those that mocked and said that was ridiculous, it would not happen at all. There is a very small step between doctor-assisted voluntary suicide and doctor-assisted involuntary suicide. Now, some of you will say, well, now that, that is an exaggeration. Why, certainly we wouldn't have doctors doing anything like that. Is that a fact? Keep in mind, it was with the doctors that all this began in Germany. But listen to this. As Charles Crothammer put it, there is a good reason why the categorical Hippocratic taboo is so ancient and so universal. A license to kill inevitably corrupts the doctor and endangers the patient. Euthanasia, once permitted, is not as easily contained as its promoters pretend. Bioethicist Leon Cass has said, the line between voluntary and involuntary euthanasia cannot hold. It never has and it never will. Ask the survivors of Auschwitz. But they don't call it killing, you know, any more than we call the baby in the womb a baby. It is, first of all, killed verbally as it is transmuted into products of conception or maybe just POC. And so it is with this matter of the murder of oneself. It's called other things like death with dignity. Now that, that has such a nice ring to it that people everywhere are flocking to its banner. But may I remind you, my friend, that there are some virtues in this world that are more important than dignity. I want you to know that when our prisoners of war in Vietnam had been captured by the Viet Cong and they were having their hands tied behind them and lifted up until their arms were coming out of the socket and they were screaming with pain that that was extraordinarily undignified. Indeed, they should have been traitors with dignity and simply told them anything that they wanted to know. When a soldier is posted by his commanding officer to watch at a certain post, maybe in the midst of a snowstorm his feet are killing him because of the cold, he's trembling all over in a very undignified way. 
and he decides that he will be a soldier with dignity, and so he goes into the pub to warm himself up and have a cup of hot coffee or ale. I'm sure that the court-martial will not consider dignity to be the all-surpassing virtue. When Jesus Christ, naked, was lifted up on a cross, it was extraordinarily undignified. He was the object of ridicule and scorn and laughter and mockery. Indeed, he should have come down and re-clothed himself in his robes that he might have reclaimed his dignity. But he felt that there were other virtues more important merely than dignity. And it's called Final Exit in the popular best-selling book by the title. But you know, it's an interesting thing. There's an element of truth in that, but it's never brought out. It is a final exit because the place to which they go, namely hell, has no exit. This is indeed their final exit. Charles Hodge of Princeton, the greatest theologian that America ever produced, the most incredible scholar of the Bible put it this way, suicide is, therefore, self-murder in the sight of God. We have no more right to take our own life than we have to take the life of any other. It is a crime, he said, which admits of no repentance and consequently involves the loss of the soul. Thus said America's greatest theologian, Charles Hodge of Princeton. Now let me make something very clear. There are those seated right here who have no doubt lost loved ones to suicide. I believe, and most theologians would agree, that it is possible even for a Christian to have temporary or even permanent insanity, the loss of the rational faculties. And therefore, even a believer could, under such a mental state as that, commit suicide without the forfeiture of his soul. But for the most part, as Hodge says, suicide is found among those who have lost all hope and belief in religion. They've lost any belief in God or in a future world. And that couldn't help but remind me of the, the meaning of secularism. Secularism from secularum, a Latin word for time, means time considered only in this world, with no view of God or eternity. It is like a smoked dome being placed over the city of man, where people are not able to see up to God or out to a future life. My friends, we live in a secular, saturated society. Consider any talk show on television. There is no reference to God unless it is blasphemy and no serious reference ever 
to a future and everlasting existence in another world. It is entirely under the smoked dome of the deceit of secularism. It is no wonder then that people who have been deceived into believing those lies would suppose that suicide is a natural way out when life becomes too burdensome. But Derek Humphrey, author of Final Exit, says on the cover of his book that he is offering self-deliverance. Well, my friends, we ought to keep in mind that we are not only delivered out of something, but we are delivered into something, and that something is never discussed at all. Because you see, such discussions are taboo under the smoked dome of secularism. There is no thought to be given of the future life. And so many people, supposing themselves to have obtained their ease, have merely leaped out of the frying pan into the fire. Today we are blinded to all such eternal and divine considerations. God has made it very clear, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit murder, and we shall not commit murder of our neighbor or our brother, our mother or father, or of ourselves. We are not our own. It's interesting that in Roe v. Wade, the argument was given that they simply wanted women to have the autonomous control of their own bodies. Now, isn't it fascinating that Humphreys, in final exit, posits his argument simply on the fact that a person needs to have the autonomous control of his own body? But, my friends, the problem is it's not your own. Know ye not that ye are bought with a price and that ye are not your own? We are doubly not our own. We did not create our life. It was created by God. And beyond that, God even came into this world and died in great agony to redeem it. So it is twice his, my creation and redemption. The Bible says that it is given unto us not only to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for his sake. And that through suffering, Christ learned obedience. And through suffering, God indeed cleanses and perfects us. Our text says, all they that hate me love death. And notice what all of these secularists and unbelievers love. They love abortion. They love the death of infants. Infanticide. They love suicide. They love euthanasia. They love death because they are at enmity with God. They hate God. God said that, not I. That is their basic problem. But beyond all of the isms of this world, my friends, there is a dark presence which is behind all of the death business of this world. It is Satan whose work is death. And those that love Satan love death, and those that hate God love death. But those that love God love life. What a precious gift that is that God has given to us, and how we should cherish it, and how we should share it with others. 
especially those of us who have received life upon life, the gift of everlasting life from Christ, who offers us freely forgiveness and life eternal if we will trust in him and repent of our sins. The scripture said through the Apostle Paul that the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Ah, what glories he has for us in that world where there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain. But God uses those sufferings and those trials and those sorrows and that pain in this life to perfect us and to purify us and to make us into what he wants us to be. Oh, let us not be cowards, deserting our post, flinging the gift of life back in the face of God. But let us cling to it and pray that God will use every part of it for our own good, knowing his promise that he will turn everything that comes to us to our good, and therefore we can rest comfortably in his hands. Have you said that, Lord, I don't care what comes to me. I know it comes from a loving Father's hand. And I trust that you will give me the grace to endure whatever it is. And I will do it for your glory as a witness for you. How many people have been brought to Christ by the endurance, the faithful, loving endurance of those who have trusted in a God who has promised to ultimately deliver them from that and also has promised that he would allow nothing to come which is more than they're able to bear. How marvelous are the promises of Christ and how blind are the unbelievers of this world who are madly in love with death and are blind to God and a future world. But let us share the gospel with them. Let them receive that gift of life and rejoice evermore with us in it. May we pray. Father, we thank Thee for the life which You have given us the physical life, and more than that, even the spiritual life, the everlasting life that you've given us as a gift from Christ. And Lord, I pray for any here today that have not received that gift of eternal life. I pray that you would cause them even now to look up into the face of Christ and see him who steadfastly refused to come down from that cross to end his agony until he had paid the last drop of suffering for our sins. Cause them to fall upon their knees and say, Oh Christ, it was for my sins that you have died. Mine were the transgressions, but thine the deadly pain. Come into my heart and cleanse and forgive me, O Christ. Grant me the gift of eternal life. Grant me hope in the midst of a hopeless world that I might rejoice in thee and know that I shall rejoice evermore. In thy name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Dr. Kennedy, then you have just received the greatest gift ever given from the greatest person who ever lived, Jesus Christ. And to help you begin to grow in the Christian life, we want to send you Beginning Again, the book written by Dr. Kennedy. It includes the Gospel of John, a great place to begin reading in the Bible. It also includes some of the basics of the Christian faith, such as how to pray and how to study God's Word. To receive your copy of Beginning Again, just write to our address or call our toll-free number. And may God richly bless you. As Dr. Kennedy shows us, humans will experience great pain in this fallen world, often later in life. 
But when we begin to measure the value of life based on its quality rather than on the image of God that is imprinted upon each human being, we find ourselves on a slippery slope that leads to incredible barbarity. That's exactly what we see happening in our culture right now. Human life is extinguished for the sake of comfort and convenience, from a million abortions per year to the growing tide of euthanasia. If we Christians don't take a stand, we who understand the profound value of the image of God and of the sanctity of human life, who will? That's why we want to invite you to sign a letter to President Trump asking him to stand firm in his pro-life convictions and veto any legislation that comes before him that endangers human life, including socialistic Medicare for all proposals, death panels, and abortion funding in the U.S. or around the world. We have worked to elect supposedly pro-life candidates over and over, and yet somehow Planned Parenthood still receives government funding, and no replacement for the dangerous Obamacare program was ever implemented. Join us in calling upon President Trump to succeed where other elected representatives have pitifully failed. Just go to djkm.org forward slash letter to sign. The new batch of socialists just sworn into the Congress is making so-called Medicare for All a major plank in their platform. But it will commodify human life and put the most vulnerable among us in danger. That's why we've developed a new resource that will help you and those in your sphere of influence understand the threat posed by the new socialists and their health care proposals. It's the new Truth in Action Q&A booklet entitled, What's Wrong with Medicare for All? And we will send you a three-pack of this important booklet as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of the ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or you can go online to djkm.org. What's Wrong with Medicare for All shows how this proposal is nothing more than a socialist scheme that is completely unworkable and that will put human lives at risk. Do you want panels of government bureaucrats deciding whether or not you deserve life-saving treatment? Some Americans have died under such panels, and this important booklet explains in concise, easy-to-understand language what the issues are from a biblical perspective. Get one for yourself and share the others with friends and family, maybe even your pastor. We'll send you the three-pack of Truth in Action Q&A booklet, What's Wrong with Medicare for All, as our thanks for your generous donation. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free, 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. 
I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.